All right, you would tonight. We're going to attempt to move back into this matter uh, of divorce, uh, marriage, divorce, and remarriage tonight. I believe we're on our third uh, message, and I hope to uh, to get done tonight, Lord willing, uh, with this at least uh, on the level that I feel like that we were striving for concerning this uh, this matter. I'm certain much more could be said, and I'm satisfied that a person could uh, deal with uh, a lot of different areas of this for a long period of time. But I don't feel tonight that's what the Lord is wanting us to do. I wanted to uh, try. Uh, Originally, as I said before, to deal with this matter when we were dealing with the home, and uh, it looked to be much uh, larger than I felt like I would be able to deal with in one message. So we uh, tried to break it down through the way we studied this out into three different uh, messages or lessons uh, on this particular issue. And uh, so tonight, if the Lord will help us and we don't get sidetracked, this may be the last one. If, if I do get sidetracked and I'm subject to do that from time to time, uh, I think one more will wrap it up. Let me say this, considering this particular message, there are a lot of variations and a lot of variables that take place when you start dealing with issues uh, like this. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say this, I don't think, anybody that, at least not that I know of, let me say it that way, got married with the intention of turning right around and getting divorced. Okay, and there are a lot of things, a lot of variables that would uh, cause somebody to probably have a different story, uh, different issues, different trials that led uh, to that time in their life. And so uh, I want to say this, I can't relate to every one of those situations. Number one, I've not been put uh, in every one of those situations, but the Lord does know, and uh, I believe the Lord can help us through the word of God uh, to navigate those things. Now, let me say this. Uh, I, I have, I hope that you know by now, after some of the things we've dealt with as of late, it's not my intention to skirt any issue, but to try to hit it headlong if that's the, the, the direction that the Lord lets us go. And I'm saying the same thing with this situation. I want to say this, if there's something uh, in this uh, lesson or in these messages that we've dealt with concerning divorce, uh, marriage, remarriage that uh, you need help with or you don't understand or you uh, want a better understanding of it or maybe your situation, maybe what we've dealt with doesn't, you don't feel like uh, uh, kind of dealt with your particular situation. Uh, you feel free to talk to me about it. We'll take the word of God. Uh, we'll look at it. My goal here is really just to give us an overview of what God expects and then how to handle situations when you find yourself in a situation uh, that has gone contrary to the way that God wished that it would go or he designed it to go. Okay. Uh, and so I want to say this, it's not my intention to beat up on anybody, uh, but to love you and to, to care for you and to help you and to try to take a look at the word of God and what the word of God uh, has to say about these matters. My goal is to try to help, uh, not to not to hurt. Okay. Now I want to say this: we understand the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharp, and it will cut, and it will quicken, and it will sting from time to time. 
And so we just let the word of God sting where it stings, and uh, we go on for the glory and for the honor of God. It's not my endeavor, though, to try to take the word of God and uh, beat you over the head with it tonight. All right? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 tonight. And uh, we're going to not backtrack, but we're going we're gonna to try to build on the last two messages. Okay? We're going to try to build on the last two messages. While you're finding your place in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, we'll look also at 1 Peter chapter number 3. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to start reading my in verse number 7. 1 Corinthians 7, first uh, verse number 7 tonight. All right, the Bible said, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And I, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband uh, put away his wife. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight uh, for this opportunity you've given us to come to the house of God uh, and to look into this matter a little bit deeper, Lord, and just try to get a better understanding of what the scripture has to say on this matter and to, to help us, Lord, be able to uh, leave equipped to deal with this matter and to maybe even put some personal uh, questions aside. And Lord, I uh, pray, Lord, that you'd just help us as we go through this tonight. Uh, give us unction from on high, guard our lips of clay, and stop our stammering tongue. We pray, Lord, and help us to have clear thought and clarity of speech. Lord, as we deal with these very sensitive issues tonight, and we'll love you, praise you, give you glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name, we ask these things, uh, amen and amen. Now, let me make a few quick statements tonight, remind us of some things that we brought up uh, in the last couple of messages that I think will help us uh, have the appropriate building blocks uh, as we look at this message tonight. Uh, the Bible says uh, in verse number 11, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband uh, put away his wife. All right. Now, uh, having considered that, I, I want to remind us tonight as we thought and taught the other night, the other Wednesday night about what God had to say to the wise men over in Matthew chapter uh, number two. And when we were looking at this, we were looking, and it might've been a Sunday night when I dealt with this particular message uh, we asked the question, is it ever right to rebel? Uh, I believe it was a Sunday night. And we were talking about uh, how to look at certain situations and to make a determination when it's uh, right to go against our government officials. And uh, we looked at a principle here uh, in Matthew chapter number two, and where we looked at Romans 13, uh, chapter number, Romans chapter number 13, verses number one and two. And um, I believe that's the, yes, it's the verse of scripture. Let every soul be subject unto the higher 
powers. And we look at that verse of scripture and we know uh, that we are to give our uh, respect, if you will, to a higher office, uh, the offices of our land. And uh, we are to respect our authorities uh, and our government. Well, we also learn through the scripture that uh, we are to first and foremost give our uh, heart and our life and our direction and our will towards that of the Lord. And so when Romans 13 and 1 said, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. He makes a, a very big statement right here in chapter 13, verse number 2. The Bible said, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And we understand that when you, when you rebel or when you do something opposing to what uh, the government uh, lays out for you or what it tells us to do, that would be considered resistance. And uh, so the Bible said, whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil wilt thou then not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise uh, of the same. Now, let me pause right here and remind us, when we look at Matthew chapter uh, number two, we understand that uh, God uh, talked to or told the wise men uh, that they were to go another way and not to uh, let King Herod know uh, where the Lord Jesus Christ was at. And uh, so we know and we understand that God is not a liar and God don't contradict himself. The Bible don't contradict himself. Christ don't contradict himself. This is not a contradiction. What this is, is this is an, this is an addition to what we're learning that the Lord expects out of us concerning uh, rebellion towards that of government. And so we can say uh, without a doubt, Brother Gene, that uh, I am to respect my government officials, without a doubt. And uh, if my government officials are asking me to do something uh, that is not going against the word of God, then according to the word of God, I am supposed to, uh, I'm supposed to submit to that authority. And uh, to do otherwise would uh, to be rebellious, uh, not only against my government, but against my God. All right. And so we take this approach and we look at this situation, or we did last week, uh, concerning uh, marriage and concerning a wife, uh, specifically a wife. And we were talking about wives and husbands, but I was looking at that of a wife, being that she is to submit and she's the weaker vessel. And the Bible has much to say about her. Uh, yielding herself uh, to the husband. Uh, and we understand that uh, it's been preached and taught on and kind of pushed a doctrine that uh, would would cause a wife uh, to be or feel like that the Bible or the preacher or the church expects her to take her children and set in a situation uh, that uh, where a husband is requiring or asking her or telling her uh, to do something that's contrary to the word of God. And when that happens, uh, a decision has to be made. Now, the, we, when you get saved by the grace of God, we are born-again believers, children of God, and we are associated with God, and we call ourselves Christians. And Christians are to be Christ-like, and we're to follow that of Christ. And so uh, we, we are in a conundrum here when, uh, when we are told that we are supposed to submit to the husband or the wife's supposed to submit to the husband 
no matter what, but what the husband, and because she submits, this is the tool uh, that is going to be used to bring this, uh, this man to salvation, and we're dealing with that of an unequally yoked relationship. But regardless of whether it's an unequally yoked relationship or not, this particular uh, authority has a tendency in some homes to be abused. And so whatever the husband says, it goes because we read in the Bible that the wife is supposed to be under subjection to her husband. We're supposed to be under subjection to our government. And, uh, but we're not to ever go against the word of God. And so we, we learned and we considered, then we, uh, we talked about uh, how a wife and uh, her children being under a situation like that has to come to a decision whether she's going to sit under this kind of authority uh, and yield herself to that authority and let what God says in his book fly out the window. And uh, I want you to understand something. When you do that, essentially what you're saying is, uh, Sarah called Abraham Lord, right? But not Lord in the sense of the word as if he was a God. But she was just reverencing his place in the home, right? All right, so essentially what happens here is when a wife allows uh, a husband to put her in a position that puts her against the word of God, she's essentially choosing the husband over God. All right? That is never a recipe uh, for godliness, but that's a recipe for disaster. All right? And so we have to, we have to look at the scripture and come to some conclusions uh, on when we should rebel and when we should not. So that brings me to this, this issue here. And we want to remind you tonight that Malachi uh, chapter uh, number two talks about how the Lord hateth putting away. We understand that. And on the very first message that we uh, dealt with, we were talking about how uh, we looked at Hosea for just a minute, in the book of Hosea, and we talked about uh, that of Gomer and how the prophet uh, was to love a woman of whoredoms and how he went back and had uh, went down to the auction block, if you will, and bought her back and brought her back home to him in spite uh, of the, the very thing that the word of God gives exception for that he could have left her. But God said, I want you to go back down there and get her. Why? Because God hateth putting away. All right. And so it's almost uh, a contradiction or seem like a contradiction on my part to stand up and preach uh, that the Lord hateth putting away, but then to go and tell uh, a, a wife or a husband that they should not subject themselves to a spouse that is absolutely positively causing them to go against uh, the word of God, uh, to leave that spouse, to walk away from that spouse. So here's what I want you, I want to clear up this uh, issue tonight, if I can. I want to look, if for just a moment, go back to First Peter chapter number three for just a minute. And I want to see if I can clear up any muddiness uh, to that water right there. First Peter chapter number three uh, and verse number one says, Likewise, likewise, you wives, be in subjection uh, to your own husbands. All right. And so we under, understand that, uh, that she is to submit to her husband. And that uh, if any obey not the word. Now this particular passage of scripture uh, is not necessarily uh, have to be a unbeliever. This doesn't necessarily have to be of a, a relationship where one is unequally yoked. 
This, this verse of scripture here says, Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. So we can take this portion of scripture, who is talking uh, about that of, uh, of a lost man, but we can take this verse of scripture and apply it to that of a saved man that is uh, born again, that's living in reproach or living in sin. That's what I'm trying to say. So likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any, any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. What is this conversation? Now, what we're seeing here is a woman who's being sub in, under subjection to a husband who's not living right, Brother Gene. Obviously, he's not right with God because she's trying to win him by the conversation of wives. All right? But I want to say this. I f we're, we're, we're not looking for an opportunity to go against our government. I don't have a rebellious heart towards my government. I'm not getting up in the morning every day, Brother Shane, and looking for a reason to go down the street and riot and loot and tear up communities. All right? There are people right now who are seizing opportunities to go out and do those very things because it's in their heart to be that type of person. And so we understanding that the, the principles of the Word of God, that God hateth putting away. We're not looking for a reason to get rid of a spouse. All right, and so there's this exception clause we talked about. There are some people, Brother Shane, that are looking purposely searching for a way to get rid of somebody because they don't want to live with them anymore. And they're doing everything they can to try to get rid of them. And we understand that when you look at Malachi chapter number two and you look at Hosea uh, chapter number three and you understand that God is a God of reconciliation. He wants this marriage to work. He wants this marriage uh, to stay together. Okay? And so... Um, I, I I know that sounds a little bit strange coming from the pulpit considering I have stood and said, hey, get your kids and get out. But I want to say this. In this situation in chapter number three, a wife is doing all she can to reverence her husband. We're doing all we can to reverence or to give respect to the authority of the higher powers of our nation and of our state and of our county officials. All right? We're working with them. We're attempting to try uh, to be good stewards of that. And just like we as a church uh, take, took the opportunity to uh, look at what our government officials had asked us to do and work with them and try to have service outside and still do what the Word of God uh, said for us to do. Now, I have my opinions on uh, this issue of COVID-19 as I watch things unfold, but as we took the time to, to watch and we took the time to uh, study on the situation and look at it with fresh eyes, we attempted to do two things. Oh, and whether I've done a good job or whether you've done a good job or whether we as a church done a good job is not the point. We was Our heart was to try to respect our government officials and still respect our Bible. We did not take a militant attitude, Brother Gene, against our government. As a church, we tried to respect our nation, we tried to respect our state, and we tried to respect our local officials. Now, as we see things unfold and we see issues that's happening in our state and in our country with churches, it's going to come to a place, Brother Gene, where we're going to have to make a decision whether we go with 
the government or we go with the, uh, the church, with the, with the book, right? The church goes with the book. So what I'm saying here is every, attitude matters drastically in this situation, all right? A lot of people are looking for justification. You need to understand that. There are some people who are absolutely looking for a loophole, looking for a way, looking for a reason to get out of a marriage, and they, for whatever that reason may be, and they're trying their best to get out, okay? We should be trying our best to stay in. Understanding, understanding, you can't control what another person does. But no matter what happens with my wife and I, I should never be looking for the a way to get out but I'm, I'm not saying that I should be staying in either as far as living in the same home with her if she was doing something that was against the word of God I should take my children and I should take my children out explain to them hey this situation is bad this is against God's word and we're not going to go this direction my wife should do the same thing if I put her in that position and my children but I'm not saying that we advocate for divorce. We're looking for that of reconciliation. But, but what we understand here is in, in this situation where a wife has got a husband that is not saved or is saved and living like the devil, if you will, you're not, you're not going to have, it's not right to carry an attitude of hatred and an attitude of, of malice or envy. And I understand it's hard. I'm, I'm preaching or, or dealing with a message that I know is complicated and there's many variables here. But we look at this lost one as one that's dying and going to hell. And it's easy to get hard-hearted and easy to get hateful and easy because of the way you've been treated. Nobody likes to be treated uh, like a dog. I understand that. And so we, we, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, we understand if this unbelieving uh, spouse wants to leave, that they are to leave. We're to let them go in peace. The Bible tells us that we're to let them go in peace. But when you let a spouse go in peace, you're not the instigator in the, the, the separation. You understand what I'm saying? It's, you're subject to it. You can't help it, but you're not uh, an instigator uh, in that. So I want to say this. I can take or feel like I can take my King James Bible and show a spouse that that spouse is not doing anything against the word of God by taking their children and getting out of a situation where there is hell literally being had in the home. When a child and a wife or a child and a husband is being subjective unto things and being taught and seeing things and living uh, in, in, in a situation where there is sin and everything's against God, you have to move Somewhere else. You have to take your children and go somewhere else. But let me say this. The idea is not for divorce. The idea is not for separation. But the idea is for a reconciliation. Now let me, let me pause for just a minute. I want to bring something up here if I can. You hear the old, uh, the old statement, you, you can't ever go back. You know, I think about my home. I think about my grandpa's and my grandma. I think about the farm. I think about that life. I can't go back to that, Brother Gene. It's gone. I have memories. I have some pictures. But that life is gone. I can't pick up the phone and call my papa. I can't pick up the phone and call my mama. They're gone. 
All right. So you hear the old statements. You, you just can't go back. And you hear the statement, what's done is done. And you don't get a do-over. You hear those things. And you make it count while you can because you don't get a, a do-over. And I want to say this. There's some things that you don't get a do-over. There's some things that you don't get back. I could say something uh, hateful to Miss Bobby and hurt her feelings and never be able to grab what I said to her and put it back in my mouth. Not that I would ever want to say anything to hurt your feelings. I don't have anything in my heart that I want to say to you to hurt your feelings, but I can't get it back. I can't, I can't, I can't put it back in where it come out, okay? So here's the deal. God hateth putting away. And I would uh, never stand by and counsel uh, a wife or a husband to keep their children in a home where there is so much sin and so much uh, uh, unbiblical things happening that they're being subject to, I would never tell them that they are to stay in that mess because it goes against the word of God. You can't do wrong to do right. We understand that. We've talked about how you can't do wrong to do right. You can't, uh, you can't ever do something wrong for the sake of trying to do something right. All right. So if you say, well, I'm going to stay in the marriage, I'm going to, or I'm going to stay in the home, I'm going to keep my kids here, and all these things are happening, you can't look at, well, train up a child the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. You're not training that child that way. You're, you're neglecting part of the Bible for another part of the Bible. You're doing wrong. You're going against a, a command. You're going against a principle in the Word of God to do something else. You can't do that. And so we understand that in this situation, this is no different. This is, this is no different than dealing with your government officials. When it comes down to it, the word of God is the, is, the, is the final authority. We understand that. All right? And so we have to go with uh, the word of God. All right, now let me, let me say this. Once you, uh, once you leave, once you take your kids and you go, you're not, according to the word of God, Brother Gene, you're not looking for a way to get a divorce. Now, listen, I, I'm going to get down on a real personal level here. I understand when a person's done wrong over and over and over and over again, and you're trying to take the Bible and have a heart of love towards somebody who's not lovable, who really is hateful and don't deserve the love that you're giving them. All right? But you're looking for that of reconciliation. Why? Not to please yourself, not to please the husband. Not to please the wife if you are the husband that's in that situation, but to please God. Because we understand there's three variables in every marriage. That's the husband, the wife, and the Lord. If that marriage was, was started appropriately, uh, that's the way it is. But now here's what you need to realize. This institution was, was, was uh, ordained of God. God hateth putting away. And so if God hateth putting away, then we have to consider more than the hurt and the pain of our own feelings. And we have to consider uh, more uh, than just the hatefulness and the, the ill intent of the, uh, the opposing spouse, if you will. But we have to consider that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And when we consider that he hateth putting away, and we think about this comment, you, you can't go back. You, you can't do what is undone. You can't. Uh, you can't redo uh, what has already been done. You don't get a, a do-over. You can't change something once it's set in stone. 
I want to say this though, because we're looking for that of reconciliation, and because the Bible talks about how the the wife, the conversation of the wife, and how uh, she she's a new creature in Christ, and she's changed. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. It's it's that stand on the word of God. We understand with the gene that would cause that unbelieving spouse not to want to be married anymore. As long as the believing spouse is doing what the unbelieving spouse wants her to do, he don't care if you're saved or not because nothing changed. So the idea that just doing what the husband says because the husband says it blows out the window immediately. It's that, it's that holding to what the Bible says, but here's the deal. We have to, we have to do it in love. So when we look at 1 Peter Chapter number three, we understand the Bible said, Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. The wife's looking for a way, Brother Shane, to try to be under subjection, to try to love the husband, to try to show him kindness when he don't deserve kindness. And it works the other way, okay? I'm not just coming down on wives. I'm saying men too. Men are to love their wives, and some women are not lovable. I understand that. There's situations that transpire in different relationships under different circumstances, but in this particular instance, we're looking at how the wife wins the husband. Why? Because he, he knows he's being hard on her. I want you to understand something. He knows he's being hard on her. Number one, he's probably more hard on her because he's wanting to push her buttons. He's not happy that she's given herself to something besides him. So there are husbands that's jealous of the relationship that a wife has with the Lord. And he don't want her giving herself to the Lord. He wants her for himself in all of his ill intent and wickedness. And so the conversation of the wife, when a wife is being treated unfairly, yet she's still trying to love and she's still trying to be a considerate and she's still trying to do all these things, understanding that that's no excuse to let him beat on you and beat on your kids and cuss your children and drink booze and expect you to go pop the tops on his alcohol. That's not at all what the Bible means. You don't do those things. You can love your husband and tell him no. You can love your husband and tell him I'm not going to do what the Bible tells me is wrong. And when he wants to come down on you for it, you pack up and you go somewhere else. And if the church does what the church should do, the church will help that wife uh, take care of her family and take care, or take care of her children. But here's the here's the thing: we're looking for that uh, of reconciliation. Why? Because it's not the Lord's will for that relationship to be broken, and because it's not the Lord's will for that relationship. And here again, let me say this: this is all not as cut and dry as we like it to be, black and white. Because there's a lot of churches that won't support a wife if she does the very things that I just said. So that puts her right there at a very hard spot to try to make it when the church has turned their back on her. Now you've got a husband that won't do right. You've got a church that won't do right. And you've got a preacher that won't preach right. She's pretty much in a, in a, in a, between a rock and a hard place. All right? So we've got to consider that. And I want, you to, I want you to consider that tonight. Listen to me now. Say, preacher, are you advocating for divorce? No. But let me say this. If there's a wife that's endured that, and she's gotten the divorce. You might ought to think about it before you treat her mean and treat her ill. You might ought to think about it before you treat her like she's a second class individual. 
because you've not dealt with it and I've not dealt with it. So are you advocating for it? No, I'm not. I'm not advocating for it. I wouldn't counsel that way. Let me say this too, just so you understand what I mean, that I'm serious about what I'm saying. I, in my heart, love people that's been married more than one time. But I personally can't take my Bible. I cannot take my King James Bible and say to you that I could stand behind this pulpit or on this platform in good faith and remarry or marry a man and woman uh, after they've been divorced. I, I can't do it according to my Bible. But now let me say this, and we're going to just, as I've said the last two times I've preached, if you get a little hot under the collar, just loosen it up a minute and give me time to finish what I'm saying because my heart goes out to people that's been in this situation. My heart, and people won't agree with this, my heart goes out to women who have felt like they've had no other option but to get a divorce. And let me say to you something. It's easy for you and me to go, well, you've done wrong. You've went against the Bible. You, you purposely divorced that man. When she's had to leave the home, and I feel like in my heart I can take the Bible and show you that she should leave the home under certain circumstances. She's left the home. She has no way to take care of her kids without getting a job, sometimes two or three, because the church won't do what they're supposed to do. How can the church come down on that lady for having to make a decision and come to a decision that she should have never been faced with in the first place? It's very easy to say one thing, but we've got to put into action. We want women to, to, to do what the Bible says. We need to promote it and make it available for them to be able to do what the Bible says because it was never God's intention for a woman to have to take care of her family financially and be the sole provider. Now, I don't have a problem with, like, like I said, we're not getting off on women working and all that tonight. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it was God's intention for a man to provide for his family. So she's put against a rock and hard place from the start. And when the church won't stand up and help her, how can we get up and condemn certain things when the church is not willing to do what the Bible says that we should do? You understand what I'm saying? So you wonder why people get bitter and angry and upset. We've got a crowd today that's very staunch on this thing. That's fine. But when you got a person that's lived through the situation and gone through the situation and the church wasn't there to support and the church wasn't there to help, the church was only there to tear down and beat them over the head with the Bible, how do we, how do, that's why we're having this message tonight. We have to look at these things because not only does it put them in a, a situation where they have to question some things and what am I going to do? We as a church need to realize if this ever comes up in our church, what are we going to do? We don't need to wait, Brother Gene, till there's a lady that's faced with a decision that she needs to take her children and move out of the house because her husband's putting them in a bad situation to know what we need to do and how we need to react as deacons and preachers and lay members at the church. All right? And I'm going to say this. I believe in my heart of hearts. If the right kind of preaching had been done and the, the right attitude from the church had been given, there's a lot of marriages, Brother Gene, I believe could have been salvaged just if the church had done what they were supposed to do. All right? So understanding that the Lord hateth putting away, understanding that the Lord told Hosea to go down there and take a wife of whoredoms, a woman that had stepped out on him, a woman that had ripped his heart out, go down there and bring her back. We see a God that wants that of reconciliation. So let me say this. It's never wrong. I mean, it's never, you can't do wrong to do right. I understand that. You get tongue twisted on that one, thank you. You cannot do wrong to do right. 
Now let me say this, and this here again might get a little prickly for some people. When David done what he'd done and got himself into trouble with Bathsheba, the very sin that David committed could have got him killed. Need you think about that. David did not uh, apologize to the Lord because of the consequences that he could have suffered for his action, but he apologized because he knew he'd hurt the Lord. I have sinned against God. He wasn't talking about Uzziah. He wasn't talking about Bathsheba. He wasn't talking about the, the prophet. He was talking about or Nathan the prophet. He was talking about God. I have hurt God. Why did he say that he hurt God? And why did it hurt him that he hurt God? It hurt him that he hurt God because he cared that much about God. Now you need to, you need to think about that statement for just a minute. If somebody can care that much about God and do what he done, what could you and I do? What could you and I do? This was a man that loved God and God loved him and he messed up. And then when he realized the severity of what he had done, how he got so caught up in what he had done, it broke him to pieces that he had hurt his God. But you understand that when he repented, and, I'm, and I've said this before, but I'm going somewhere with it tonight. When he repented, the prophet told him, God hath put your sin away from you. David committed adultery. David was no longer living in adultery. David told the Lord he was sorry. He'd come from his heart. He meant it from his heart. He didn't want to hurt his God. God did not tell David to take Bathsheba and get rid of her. Now you need to think about this for just a minute, right? Why did God not tell David to get rid of Bathsheba? Think about that for just a moment. What does God hate? God hates putting away. Now, you may disagree with me here, and you can, and we can debate this a little later if you want to debate it. We can talk about it and dig a little deeper into it. But I want to say this. You cannot do wrong to do right. So let me say this. If a woman has found herself in a place where the church wouldn't help her, uh, she had children to feed, she's doing the best she could, she didn't know what to do, and she winds up in a divorce. All right? And then she winds up some years later, Brother Shane, getting married again. Should she divorce the second husband to go back to the first husband for that of reconciliation? You can't do wrong to do right. See, there's been a, there's been a union that's transpired here. There's kids that's involved in this present situation. You going to muddy the water up for them? Are you going to tell them to uh, we got to we got to go back? We say, preacher, God's a God of reconciliation. He sure is. That's why we as the church need to make it conducive for a wife that's found herself in this situation not to have to make some of these decisions. So what do you mean? Well, if we look at Second Corinthians or First Corinthians, excuse me, chapter number seven, the Bible says. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. Chapter 7, verse number 11. But if, if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. 
What are we looking for? That of reconciliation. Now, what is it that the wife is trying to do? She's trying to get her husband saved. All right? So he don't think she's going to leave, number one. She's not going to leave, Brother Gene. She's lived with me for 10 years. She's put up with my beatings and my, and my beer drinking and my drugging for 10 years. She's not going to leave me. I'm going to push her to her absolute limits. I'm going to make her life miserable. And uh, th th this matter of getting saved, she's not going to go to church. She's not going to serve God. She's going to do what I tell her to. All right, and then the, the children are still getting beat on and all these things, and she has to make a decision. So she leaves, and she goes somewhere else. He sits at the house and cannot believe that she would leave him under such circumstances. How could she leave? He has to come to the conclusion at some point she's serious about what she's talking about. She's serious about loving the Lord and going to do what the Lord wants her to do, whether I like it or whether I don't. Now, he has to start making a decision. Either I want to divorce you because I can't stand the thoughts of living with you no more, or he realizes I'm fixing to lose my wife, and I'm fixing to lose my children, and it's all because of the way that I'm acting. And she's obviously got something that's real, because otherwise she wouldn't have left under such circumstances. Then he starts pondering and dwelling and thinking. Now listen, what is this that, that a wife's supposed to do? The Bible talks about this in First Peter. Be unsubjection unto your husband. What's a matter of... The heart, it's a matter of love. It's giving love when love's not deserved. At no point in this situation am I ever saying that the wife should quit loving her husband. She should still want to reconcile, but she's not willing to put her children in the situation that they were in before. So she prays, and she begs God to help her. And I want to say something. If you want to get the attention of God, you show Him that you're willing to go with Him instead of somebody else. I'm, and this may make some people mad and preachers mad, but I believe that a woman that's serious enough to serve God that's willing to leave her husband sitting over here at the house and take her children somewhere else and have to rough it and, and have a hard time for the sake of, of doing what the Lord and the Bible says to do, it'll get the attention of God. And when it gets the attention of God and that woman has a heart for her husband and she prays and she prays, and it may not come on month one, it may not come on month two, it might not come year one, year two, but at some point, it's just possible that the Lord could get a hold of that old boy. And that old boy wants to get back to his wife and his children. I've seen marriages put back together, Brother Jim. I've seen men get saved and change. I've seen it come from women who got saved. Then their husbands got saved and they had happy homes. What happened was it was a struggle. It was a hardship. It's not easy. It's not an easy situation. I'm not trying to paint it up as an easy situation whatsoever. But I do want to say this, when you consider it in this light, we're looking for that of reconciliation. And a woman that goes on and gets married to another husband will never be able to come back and reconcile with the first. And you can't, you can't, you can't expect her to do wrong and go against the Bible to go back and do something else, to do right. So I want to say this, and, and this, this, is, this is serious business we're dealing here. 1 John 1 9 says what? If we confess our sins, what did David do? He committed adultery. He sinned against God. But his heart was broken that he sinned against God. And how, how did he deal with it, Brother, Brother Gene? At what point did this thing get serious when he confessed it? And we were talking the other night as we were preaching on the the, the matter of pornography and we're talking about how you deal with that situation and how you 
you cope with that problem. Number one, you better you better admit it. By going to somebody that you love and that loves you, you you talk to them about it and just by confessing. I'm not saying get up here and tell the world what's been going on. That would not be right. But I'm saying get a mama or a daddy or a spouse and say, look, I'm having problems in this area. And by confessing it and letting it come out of your mouth so you can't put back in what's come out, you have some accountability. Number one, you show you're serious about the situation, but then you have some accountability. So when we confess our sin, when David just admitted it, Brother Gene, he had to face it. When he admitted that he'd done wrong and he realized what he had done and he confessed it and he, and he got it right, the Bible says we confess our sin, he's faithful just to give us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They say, Preacher, I don't know that I agree with you on this matter of, of second marriage and uh, God not wanting the, the second marriage to go away so that there can be reconciliation in the first. We know that the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can take the word of God, black and white, and you can read, the Bible says that you're not to yoke up with that of an unbeliever. But you can go right over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, Brother Shane, and find that once that marriage, that union has already been had, once it's already together, once it's in place, nowhere in the scripture does it say that you're to get rid of that marriage. That marriage is to stand. That marriage is recognized by God. So a marriage that started out as a sinful act is recognized by God, and God does not want a putting away. When a second marriage comes up, that marriage is recognized by God, and you don't destroy that marriage for no reason. You cannot go to somebody that's married to a, a for the second time and tell them that they're living in a constant state of sin. You cannot do that. David did not live in a constant state of sin the entire time he lived with Bathsheba. He did not do that. Otherwise, otherwise, the Bible could not say that his sin had been put away from him. Because she was part of that act. You understand that? All right. So his motivation was that he had hurt God. When we think about divorce, I believe in my heart of hearts, Brother Shane, that if, that if I filed for divorce against my wife, it would destroy my children. It would break my wife's heart. And not only that, but I honestly believe in my heart of hearts to read the word of God. It would, it would break the Lord's heart. I believe when an individual finds themselves in a divorce that it breaks God's heart. Now, we have a tendency of being dogmatic and getting angry and treating people angrily. But I, believe it's not, I don't believe it's a matter of anger at all. I believe that if somebody in our church was going through a divorce, we should all be broken hearted. I believe we should be praying and begging God to help in that situation. All right, and so uh, let me let me say this quickly. Proverbs twenty four and sixteen. Let me pause before I read this verse of scripture. Would you agree with me tonight that there are people that have found themselves to be divorced, that have been married a second time or got married a second time? Is it possible, Brother Shane, that they may have not read the verses of Scripture and been able to understand the verses of Scripture uh, the way that we're preaching them tonight? Or do you think that it's possible that a man and woman could have got married a second time and not found that the Bible to find that as being an act of adultery under certain circumstances? I believe that it is. 
So at some point, if you were to tell somebody who didn't know they were doing anything wrong that getting married a second time was considered an act, a committed act of adultery, would you, would you, would you tell them that they are supposed to go and null and void that marriage? You'd be, you'd be telling them wrong. You'd be telling them they were doing something absolutely wrong. Now I want to say this. We talked and we considered that of being unequally yoked. The Bible tells us it's a command not to marry someone that's an unbeliever. If I do that, I have committed a sin. But I'm not living in sin. If I say, Lord, I've done something that you told me not to do. I'm sorry that I've done it, Lord. We still look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and see that I'm not supposed to divorce that woman. So it's not a constant act of sin, but it's a committed sin. And when you look at something uh, and consider what the Bible says about adultery and that of remarriage when someone's been divorced and they get remarried and that, that's an act of adultery, it's a committed sin. Now we talked the other night about pornography and I'm not taking away from this committed sin. But I'll say this, when you start considering the rampant acts of pornography and all the stuff that's going on with youth today and even rampant in churches, it's far greater and far larger than this matter of divorce. And I don't hear much said about it. How many messages tonight, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to lift myself up, how many messages have you heard preached on that? It's not a fun message. Nobody likes to hear it. But I'll say this, the Bible talks about if a man looketh on a woman and lusts after her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. What do we do about that? We're crazy today to walk around and look at two people that's been married a second time and tell them that the whole time they're married, they're living in sin. The Bible said in Proverbs 24, 16, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, I, I thought about this verse of Scripture, and, and I've read it many, many times. And I thought about this matter of, of second chances, the second opportunities. And, I, and I, I'll be honest with you, Brother Shane, I, I found myself saying that God is a God of second chances. But then I got to think about how ignorant that was because if God was only God of second chances, I'd still be doomed. Because I have pushed on the grace of God my whole entire life. He's not a God of second chances, Brother Gene. He's a God of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chances. And as long as we confess our sin, what does confession do? It causes you to face it. And as long as you confess it and, you're, and you ask for forgiveness for it. See, it's all about the motivation of your heart. It's not a license to sin. You're not looking for sin. You're not looking to sin because there's such a thing as grace or forgiveness. But when the motivation of your heart is towards God and you say, Lord, I have sinned and I'm sorry for it, there's forgiveness. Now, that don't mean there won't be some consequences. It don't mean there won't be some scars. But there's forgiveness. And when that forgiveness is there, there's a renewed spirit. And when that spirit is renewed, that individual that is sorry for what they've done can go outside these walls of this church and be as much of a Christian as I am. And I thank God for that because if there wasn't this matter of forgiveness, we would all be in some kind of trouble. But the Bible said, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Now, you say, what's significant about seven times? Well, I thought about Matthew chapter number 18. The Bible said in verse number 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times. Where did he get this seven times from? wonder where he thought about this matter of seven times. 
Wonder where that come from. But I like what Jesus said to him here. Verse number 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Jesus is saying, you better just keep right on forgiving. Brother Shane was to do something to hurt me, and he came to me and said, Brother, I'm sorry. And in 45 minutes later, said something else that hurt my feelings and come to me and he meant it with tears in his eyes and said, I'm sorry. I ought to let it go. Why? Because he's sorry. And the Bible tells me as long as the motivation of a man's heart is for that of forgiveness or that of repentance, you forgive. You forgive if it's 70 times 7. So the Bible said for a just man falleth seven times. Right there, you need to understand something right now. We fail. We make mistakes. Why do we get hung up on that one mistake? Why do we say, well, they got divorced and they got married again? Is it right? I'm not telling you it's right. I'm not promoting divorce. I'm against it. I'll be against it till the day that I die. But I want to say this. Why is it that we have a tendency to pick one or two little things out and ride them hobby horses all the way out to church house and hang on to them for a hundred years? As if it's just that one little deal that's causing this church to be in the mess that it's in. That's, that's not the only thing, friend. You can't tell me that a man or woman that's been married twice, that, that remarriage is, is for all the rest of their marriage the thing that's causing the church to be in the shape that it's in. That's not the case. I'm going to tell you something. There's men and women that's been married more than once that can be right with God, love God, serve God, and go outside of here and be a witness for God. Seventy times seven. So we understand here, uh, and it, like I said, this seems strange because here I am you, <laughs> saying leave, leave a spouse you're supposed to be married to, then I'm saying stay with a spouse uh, that you that you wasn't supposed to marry, and it, 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 look, it's confusion. I understand it's confusion, but when we look at the Bible and we consider this matter of of unequally yoked, and we take this consideration that there was a sin committed, but the union still stands with God. That when you look and you take that and you couple that with what happened with David and Bathsheba, you can say that the union, the marriage still stands with God. And you cannot ever, and it makes me so frustrated, so frustrated to hear preachers counsel and tell people who've been married for 10 or 15 years that they'll leave their spouse and go back and try to reconcile with the first one. That's not right. You don't do wrong to do right. You never do wrong to do right. Okay, so 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 7 teaches uh, that we are to stay uh, with that unbeliever and try to win them. All right, so let me say this, and then I'm going to be done tonight. And then you can get with me if there's more that you want to talk about, okay? If you've already been remarried, then you're not going to go back to the first class. That's done. And you need to let it go. All right? David was not asked of God or told of God to get rid of Bathsheba. But we understand that God blessed that marriage and give him a son that took over and reigned as a king. We understand that. Okay? And I know that the sword never left from David's house. And like I said, I'm not telling you that there's not consequences. But what I'm saying is marriage is official. You say, how, how do you know? Because God talks about a putting away. 
And he talks about not liking putting away. Do you realize putting away is official? There, there, it, it's official. Once it's been done, it's official. So what are you talking about official? I believe that marriage is official. Divorce is official. And, and God looks at these, these matters as official. Finalized. Stamped. Sealed. Done. It's, it's over with. And when you get remarried, it's sealed, stamped, signed, done, official. And God does not, you cannot say that God's promoting you to put that away because it goes against the scripture. All right, so you can't, uh, you can't do wrong to do right. You're remarried. I believe God can take a, uh, a couple that's been remarried and bless their home. I want to say this. It's like anything else. I don't think that a person goes into it uh, with the attitude uh, that they are doing something that the Bible tells them they should not do and go into the matter with, I'll ask for forgiveness later. That it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is repentance. Because what you're doing there is you're doing something that you know to be wrong just because you know that God will forgive you for it. And at that point, you've got a little bit different issue because David done what he done knowing that what he, what he was doing was wrong. David had to be sorry for it. But David wasn't standing on the rooftop, Shane, going, well, I got some options here. And my option is I'm going to do what I want to do because if I do what I want to do, I know God will forgive me for it. It's not the case. If that had been the case, David wouldn't have reacted to what the prophet had told him when the prophet came to him and said, thou art the man. So I want to say this. I think there's a lot of good people that have misread, misinterpreted. Their heart wasn't rebellious. They got remarried. And I believe in my heart of hearts that God can bless their marriage. I believe that there's some people that have purposely looked for a reason to dissolve a marriage just for the sake of marrying this guy down here that she'd rather be living with. And she divorces this one today and marries that one tomorrow. Because she was looking for a reason to get out of the marriage. God ain't going to bless that. But somebody asked for some forgiveness. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I want to say this. We got to be careful. Riding a hobby horse on this situation. And acting as if. Uh, and I guess what's bothered me the most about this. Is how many people that I hear. Uh, in churches and preach these messages. That treat couples. Who have been married more than once. As if they're living in a constant state of sin and I don't think that you can take that and, and, and show me that uh, in the scripture let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for loving us taking care of us God pray that you'd help us tonight for this uh, issue as we have studied on it and read about it and looked into the word of God and I pray Lord uh, that uh, we would be mindful as a church to care for people that are in situations Lord that they I would rather not be put into to consider what's going on about them and do what we can, Lord, to help them scripturally. Never to uh, counsel or to promote uh, a divorce. And Lord, understanding that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, want that of reconciliation and knowing that your heart breaks uh, when a divorce occurs. Lord, our heart should break uh, for people that's going through this very situation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be mindful, uh, to, to uh, encourage and to uh, help financially people that 
find themselves in a struggle where they're being uh, forced to go with the word of God over the uh, that of a spouse who's wanting them to do ungodly things and be uh, ungodly and live in an ungodly uh, situation and put their children in subjection to ungodly uh, homes. They have to make a decision. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to ponder on these things and figure out what we're going to do uh, to help promote uh, their well-being and to help them pray and to help them pray for the spouse, uh, Lord, that they are married to and pray for that of reconciliation. But Lord, never, never to uh, never to take reconciliation, uh, Lord, when there's been no when there's been no change or there's been no uh, repentance. We don't ever want to promote someone, Lord, to uh, be living in a situation that goes against the word of God just because we've taken one verse of scripture and not considered the scriptures. Uh, surrounding that one verse of scripture. Lord, I realize tonight that this topic, this situation that we're dealing with here tonight can be viewed and is viewed and people have many opinions and uh, thoughts on this matter. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we, if we need to look into this further, that you'd just help us with the word of God uh, to rightly divide it and to appreciate and care for each other, uh, Lord, in these times and try to do something, Lord, for the cause of Christ while we still have an opportunity Lord, not to look down our noses on people, but to uh, to try to take the word of God out of love uh, and help. It's not my intention tonight. And I, uh, I did endeavor, Lord, to try to hurt anyone's feelings. And I understand this subject is uh, has a tendency, Lord, to, to cause or inflict pain a little bit and maybe even bring up some memories or some thoughts or provoke some memories or thoughts, God, that are hurtful. But Lord, I thank you for loving us and I thank you for taking care of us and I thank you uh, for the cross of Calvary. Lord, I have, I pray tonight that you'd help us with our young people. The Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt, to see the issues. Just trying to preach through these issues are difficult because of the different scenarios and the different problems and the different issues that people have because of this very problem. And God, I pray that our young people would see the need to, to seek your leadership and to seek your guidance for the right spouse. And to walk into the marriage from the front, Lord, uh, doing right and praying so that you would help them with the right uh, spouse and help them uh, in the marriage and help them, Lord, to be praying for their children now before they get them. And to already have some things in place uh, and some things in order to marry a spouse, Lord, that is a believer, that wants to serve you, uh, Lord, and, and do right. And Lord, I know that if you start a marriage that way, uh, it's a whole lot easier to move in the direction of God than it is to start out with that of an unequally yoked marriage and all the troubles and trials that go with that. Lord, I also know you're a God of grace. And Lord, I know uh, that when people find themselves in these situations, that there's a word of God that can help navigate and help them move in the right direction. And Lord, always and forever, I pray that you'd help people to realize they got to put you first above all things. And there's a right time uh, Lord, to, to rebel, and there's a right time, Lord, to fully submit and be under subjection. And I pray tonight that our motivation of our heart would be this, above all things tonight, that our heart would be towards that of reconciliation. I expect nobody, Lord, to be under subjection to a spouse that's abusing them and, and hurting their children, but Lord, to still to keep that tenderness and to help keep that tenderness and keep away that bitterness and, Lord, to help uh, that spouse to continue to pray and love for that one that's lost and undone and on their way to hell, And to remind us and to help us not to just realize the pain and the 
hurt that's been put on us as individuals, but to remember that there is that one that we uh, were or, or did marry that is is dying and, and on their way to a devil's hell and is going to live in the eternal lake of fire one of these days. God, I pray that we would never, never lose sight of a lost one that's on their way to hell and to remember the reality of hell. And Lord, if we could remember the reality of hell and then remember the reality of the grace of God that's been extended to us, it would help us to keep our hearts and minds, Lord, softened towards that one that needs to be saved by the good grace of God. Lord, I pray you just help us. I know that this is probably not just cut and dry and it's not uh, this is black and white and easy for everybody. There's different scenarios. We want Lord, you just help us as we move forward with the church and we move forward with our uh, lives and we try to navigate these very uh, strenuous and these hard to deal with uh, issues and help us, Lord, to be better Christians today or tomorrow than we were today. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. We'll give you glory. We'll give you honor for it all. In Jesus' name we do pray and ask these things. Amen.